<laughs> I can see on your face, this is unlike any interview you've ever had. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another par train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. My other co-host, Matt Cermak, couldn't make it, so it's just me. Guys, in case you're new, thanks for hopping aboard. Golf game off the rails, sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Tour pros, best selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me, musicians, country music stars like today with Fillmore, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. Before we get to this interview with Fillmore, uh, the Part Train Podcast is presented by our friends at Roback Performance Apparel. Guys, uh, I said this last night. I'll say it again. I've never gotten more compliments on things than my Roback polo at the Masters, the hoodies. People are freaking out. I just got a text from Daly. Actually, we had him on the show. He said, the polos are so solid and the hoodies, the Roback hoodies are out of this world. Ne- never worn anything like it. So soft yet breathable. I'm going to fill my closet with this stuff. People are sending us messages like that every week about Roback. So go to Roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 15% off. I'm telling you, we wouldn't steer you wrong. I'm wearing a Roback hoodie right now. It's literally my uniform every day. I have like 12 of them. So go to Roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get 15% off, and uh, you're going to love it. Trust me. All right. Fillmore. Fillmore is a country music star. The guy has tens of millions of streams on all of his songs i think his top song is love that about you 44 million streams who knew that fillmore guys just learned when we just had him on the show off air he went to the same elementary school as me shenandoah valley in chesterfield missouri he went to a high school down the street 10 minutes away from me so both st louis boys he's now in nashville uh, a huge country music star and i thought this episode was super relatable and fun. You know, we've had Cal Shapiro on, another recording artist, but this is our first country star. And I love bringing on people from other areas because, number one, you realize that they're just like us, and two, you learn a lot. So how relatable is it for Fillmore to play and fill up a, a, an auditorium or fill up a country music venue, but in the morning playing golf and talking about the what he's focused on or, or lack thereof, right? I think the big takeaway from today that I think a lot of people probably do um, is, especially if you don't play a lot of golf, a lot of people go out and play and they just kind of swing, right? On one hand, we talk a lot about on this show about thinking too much, getting in your way, creating interference. In this case, I think it was the other side of the spectrum where Fillmore wasn't really thinking about a whole lot, but his game's not improving, right? So I think the takeaway from today is giving Fillmore a plan to think about a routine. What is he, how does he actually think about shots in a way that doesn't create a burden and weigh him down, but at least gives him a chance and gives his body direction and his brain directions to say, okay, here's the shot at hand, here's what I'm going to do. And I think we talk about a lot of that. Um, he just had a hole-in-one recently, his first one a few weeks ago, and we unpack something that's actually really interesting about how his hole-in-one swing was nothing like any other swing he's ever done. And so there's a little nugget there that I think will be helpful to other people thinking about how he achieved such a 
an amazing success in that shot and why he might start doing that in other shots. So definitely stay to the end, guys. We talked the first half. Uh, we talk about country music and maybe some parallels between that and golf and and there might be some good career advice in there. But uh, first half is probably country music, parallels with that in life. And the second half, we really dig into his golf game. So definitely stay to the end. Uh, if we've added any value to you guys, as always, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. We want other people to be inspired by your story. Uh, follow us at The Park Train, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We post there multiple times every day. Things that aren't on the podcast are on our social media. So if you listen to the podcast, you don't follow us there, hopefully you'll get a lot of value from that too. And no matter how you're hitting it, no matter how many times you skull it over the green out of the bunker or hit it OB, just enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Fellow St. Louis alum, we're good to have you on the train. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely crazy. I didn't even put two and two together until we started talking a second ago. So cool to be from the same town. We were just talking. Apparently, we went to the same elementary school. We both played baseball. You went to a different high school down the road, but literally like, what, 10 minutes? 10 minutes, yeah. 10 minutes down the road. Before we start talking music and and golf and mindset and all this stuff, how pumped are you that Albert Pujols is back in St. Louis? I mean, how cool is this? I'm so pumped that I'm getting in the car tomorrow morning and driving to St. Louis for the game. So. Are you? <laughs> Amazing. I have like I have like a day. You know, I guess got we went on vacation. Uh, my tour dates and stuff have been moving around as we kind of go into. Uh, new season with all this new music and so i've had a little bit more free time um to finish everything in the studio and man if i have an extra free day i'm gonna drive it's only it's only five hours driving yeah. to see the game and head back so i'm pumped yeah i was trying to think if there's been anything like this in regards to wayno yachty and albert kind of all doing their last hurrah together it's pretty special pretty crazy yeah maybe for throughout the podcast we should call you happy fillmore <laughs> because I saw your post. It happened, what, a few weeks ago? For context, you got your first hole-in-one. I got to start with this because everybody loves hearing about this. I assume, based on the reaction, although you probably would have reacted that way, even if it was your fourth, I assume it was your first hole-in-one? That was my first, yeah. All right, walk us through the shot, the club, what you were thinking before the shot. Walk us through your hole-in-one. Um, okay, so it was somewhere, but so the, obviously... It read different on the um, the rangefinder, and I think we we weren't really thinking about it because, to be honest, um, I took a shot of tequila the whole before, and <laughs> I hadn't really started drinking. But I was like, I the game my game wasn't the best uh, on the front nine, so we're on the back nine. We're on hole twelve, and I was like, yeah, give me a shot. We took it. I immediately started playing better, which maybe just a me- it's obviously just a mental thing. Mm-hmm. And so about a hole and a half in is when I get up, you know. I get up to uh, hole 12 and um, we take the range finder. I think someone got it at like 138. The hole said it was 152. So somewhere in that range is where the pin was. Um, and so I just, I, they call me Johnny Swings out of his shoes. So I swing pretty <laughs> hard. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I grabbed a pitching wedge and uh, I kind of couldn't see, based on the reaction to the reason we didn't know if it was in so there's like a little lip over the green mm-hmm. and then so you can't see exactly you can't see the hole really you just see the pin coming up you have the general idea of where it was on the green and um it looked like it was a little slanted and there was water to the left 
So um, I just kind of aim to the right side of the green um, because I also have a little bit of a, a draw. Mm-hmm. But I decided not to draw that time, so which I'm very glad. Um, and it hit the right side of like the fringe of the very right side of the green. I was like, and then it started. It just hit, and then it started rolling left. And I was like, I was like, ah. Uh, and we just saw it disappear because like you couldn't see. So I was like, right. oh, probably pretty good. I thought nothing of it. I was like, ah, that was okay, I guess. Like, I, mean, I think I def- <laughs> I'm definitely on the green, so that's good. Like, I'm pumped. And um. I took no practice playing nothing. I just sort of walked up and hit it. And then we're like kind of driving up and we can see more of the green that we're coming up. And I'm like, I don't see it. And I was like kind of leaning over to my buddy. I was like, would it be crazy if I got a hole? And like, how nuts would that be? And like, we're like, we're like, yeah, that'd be crazy. And then we get, get, keep getting closer, keep getting closer. And I'm like, dude, I still don't see it. And I'm driving. So I'm in the left side and I'm like looking up and I'm like starting to stand while we're driving up. I'm like, bro, I do not see it. And like, He's like, he's like, dude, I don't see it either. And so like, all of a sudden, we, I just hit the brakes and start running. And he must have just like, because we were kind of like, what if this is happening? He, thank God, was immediate to his phone like this. And so I, I didn't, I was not even thinking about capturing the moment or anything. I just started running because I was freaking out. Yeah. And obviously the rest is on camera, but I got up there and I didn't even know he filmed the whole thing until he showed it to me afterwards. Like I still like the next hole was in like a panic and I was just like, this is absolutely insane. But I could not believe it when it was in the hole. Cause like you couldn't see it from the T box. So there's the whole kind of story, but that's kind of a, a wide range. 138 to 152 as well. So like, do you, let me ask you this. Do you normally take a practice swing? Yes. I normally take a practice swing. And was that the only shot that day that you didn't take a practice swing? Yes. Wow. How about that, yeah. huh? Yeah, kind of weird. Also, I uh, I would have hit a I would have hit a pitching wedge on one fifty two or one thirty eight. It wouldn't have mattered. So got it. So that's kind of like your mid range. So that so this is really interesting. Um, I, I want to get into music too before we go too deep in your golf game. But since we're here, yeah, yeah. let's do it. There's just something very interesting about the combination of these things, right? You took a shot at tequila, which <laughs> generally. Not saying that that's going to lead to hole in ones, but it made you looser, relieve some tension, right? You had a number where you're like, regardless of where it is, this is my club, i.e., you committed to it. You felt very confident about that club. Yeah. You didn't take any practice swings, so you're very assertive. You walked right up to it, and you probably weren't really even thinking about the water either. You no. aimed to the right side to be, you know, smart. And you swung fully committed and didn't draw as much. But I mean, everything about the pre-shot routine is about assertiveness and commitment. I'll take it. I mean, and you shot a hole in one. I'm not like the craziest best golfer, but I know enough stuff to kind of figure it out. So maybe Fillmore, we need to just get rid of the practice swing altogether moving forward. Maybe this is a sign. You know, I used to do that. And then I, and then so many things change in your game over time. Yep. Something always stops working. Like my drive used to always be perfect. Then there was like a season where my drive was like the worst thing in my game. Mm-hmm. And now my short game is the worst thing. So it's just very, it's very funny how it all kind of always, yeah. there's never, my th- whole thing never all works perfectly. It's always right. like one part of the game is great this, this, uh, this spring or whatever. So it's like, well, we'll, we'll unpack that stuff. Hopefully give you some nuggets. Uh, yeah. to make it make it a little better but um 
First question for you regarding your music. Is it sacrilegious? Keep me honest, I'm not a musician. Is it sacrilegious to play your own music in the cart while you're, while you're playing? Do you have to stick to non-Fillmore music when you're with your buddies? Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying not to play my music at any time, really. Sometimes I'm with like writers. Actually, to be honest, every time I'm golfing, I'm either with my manager or other songwriters. And um, sometimes we'll play like whatever songs we wrote that week for each other. So people will jump back and forth on the, um, on the uh, Bluetooth and just play. Um, like, I wrote this yesterday. I wrote this yesterday. And everyone kind of listens and interesting i shut it on the back and stuff like that so. so do you guys ever actually write music or exchange song ideas when you're on the course if you're playing with other writers uh yeah well sometimes i mean that's kind of like every moment in life um you'll be in any random conversation and someone says something and you kind of just turn away and write that title in your notes um or yeah. that concept so you have it for later like for example i had something happen a couple days ago that like i was like oh this is a great song idea and 30 minutes after this podcast, I'll go into the studio and I'll write that song idea. And I kind of put some ideas in my voice and I was on my phone. And then you just kind of stockpile them. And then when you go in to go write, or sometimes you write it on the spot, depends on what you're doing. Life yeah. gets busy, so you got to kind of stockpile the ideas and then go knock it out. So. See, I'm that way with, with golf tweets and mental game stuff and podcasts. As weird as it sounds, I'm the same way. I, yeah, things pop in my head all day long. Everything I live through now is through the, that lens, so I totally understand. It's amazing, yeah. That's, that, so it's like everything, for sure, just whatever your thing is. So, Fillmore, I personally love country music, although it took me a little bit to get into it. I think I grew up, I think it's partly my brother's fault, and I'll talk about him in a second. I think I grew up with this narrative, which is weird coming from Missouri, where I think it's you know, popular, but I grew up being like, I can't like country, right? There was this stigma. And then I think people like me, you have your catalysts where you become open to it and then you start to love it. And Josh Turner was my, <clears throat> was my catalyst. And um, my brother refuses to listen to country. So I wanted to ask a country music star, okay, for all the golfers listening to this show that refuse to play country in the cart, what is one thing you would say a country critic, not to maybe convince them to love it, but to become open to it, what's your biggest pick for country music for people that say they don't like it? That's a great question. Uh, honestly, I feel like uh, maybe your brother included or um, people that aren't as into country, which, by the way, it's a preference at the end of the day. Like, right. you don't like a certain style of music, you don't like a certain style of music. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of people sometimes won't give country the chance it deserves, maybe. And I think that, uh, or they're just too proud at this point, or they've said they haven't liked, they've, they've said they don't like country for too long, that if they go back on it now, they will seem stupid. So mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, we have a kind of a, you know, our thought in our head, especially when we're growing up and stuff, is the generation of country that our parents listened to, or um, what country was at that time. Country continues to evolve no different than pop music or any type of genre, really. Yeah, uh, and as it evolves, it brings in new elements from other genres. So, to be honest, at this point, I think the biggest pitch is uh, I think country music is almost like what rock and roll used to be for America. So, like it is mm. America's genre at this point. So it tells stories that will make you cry, the way you grew up, uh, 
just regular life. It'll tell stories about New York City. It'll tell stories about any type of situation in your life. You can find that story in a country song, like hands down. So really, the biggest pitch is just finding your version of country that you like because there, there's country that sounds super rock. There's country that sounds super pop. There's country that's slowed down. There's country that's... It, there's Machine Gun Kelly style country. The country is all over the place right now. So yeah. really, it's just finding your genre that you like of country. And I think the biggest pitch is just like try like find five country songs and just see if one of them, one artist kind of has because every artist has a little twist on their version of country. And I think that's what's so great about country right now is like there's so many different versions of it. Whether people want to admit it or not, there are so many versions of it, and that's what that's what's drawing so many people to it. I think especially right now. Yeah, for me, when I listen to country, whether it's on the golf course or driving on in LA with my windows down, there's no other type of music that gives me such a feel-good vibe. And I was wondering what you think that is. Do you think it's the stories, or do you what what do you, what do you think about what is it about country that just makes you feel good when you listen to it? It might be the instrumentation too, even even how that's kind of mixed in there sometimes, but. It's also the chord choices. There's certain chords that make you feel happy. There's certain chords that make you feel mm. sad. Personally, like, I'm happy when I listen to a sad song. So you can give me all the sad stuff all day. Like, yeah. that, that makes me happy in a weird yeah. way. Um, but yeah, like, the windows down, feel good type music uh, seems to be sitting a lot in country um, just because of probably the lyric and, and the chord choices that make that kind of happy feel or party vibe or, you know, just, I don't know, laid back feeling sometimes. But yeah. Well, Fillmore, you're doing something right now that no one's really done, which is a new song every Friday. And I want to give you a chance to talk about that. But first, I want to ask you mentally, because I think a lot of, and we've had Cal Shapiro on the show from Time Flies, and now he's doing a solo thing. Um, We drew a lot of parallels with his creativity, finding flow, self-doubt, freedom with golf, and also making music. The grind and the hard work it takes to do a new song every week. What have you learned mentally about that process? What have been the hurdles and what have you learned most? I think the thing that maybe a lot of people don't know is how much music we actually stockpile that never gets to see the light of day. So when it's a song a week, like there's a lot of prep that goes into that. Now, I will say in this case, um, there wasn't a lot of prep. It was like, I'm doing a song a week. Everyone said, okay. And then we just went. So there wasn't, this hasn't been planned out for six months or something like that. Like, I yeah. just turned in the, I'm turning them in as I go here, the masters, so that when they come out, they're ready to go. So it's like, I'll turn that in the label, like turn two in today. So it's like, just turn them in, crank them out. Um, so that has had me kind of come off the road. If I would have prepped more, I could have had all this stockpiled and done and just dropped them every Friday and been doing everything else. But um, it's been a fun process. I think the learning thing is like, um, I think that, we get caught up talking about doing something for so long that when you finally get to do it, um, you're still not as prepared as you want to be. Um, I think in this situation, um, everything has fallen together like super well. It's been great like working with my team. Everything's really, really kind of fallen into place. So I feel very blessed and lucky for that situation. But uh, when it comes to like uh, flow, it, it, I will say it, it's hard to promote a song. Like if you celebrate on Friday, you put all this hard work into that song, and then Saturday you're already thinking of like, all right, there's another one that comes next Friday, and I need to promote this. Like it's Monday, I need to post something. There needs to be like digital assets for this. There needs to be 
all this. It's like, all right, and then we have shows coming up, and it's like, it's a never-ending, I guess, cycle of uh, a million things going on, and then you add a song a week. I think it was a little crazy, but at the same time, like, um, I'm getting a, the workflow of it, and my mental, like, behind it is, like, it's becoming normal to me a little bit after week yeah. five. So as we go into week six, um, or maybe it's week seven, I don't know. I think um, I'm feeling pretty good about everything, and I, I have a, I, now I know how to do it. You don't really know how to do something until you actually do it, so. Well, I hate to compare social media to making music, but I will say, you know, I've posted four times a day for two years now, and people think this is crazy when I tell them this, but I never have it planned out. Every day, I don't know what I'm going to post, and there's something almost magical about the creative side of knowing I have to get it in, and I just do it. And I actually think the, to your point, not knowing what song you're releasing that Friday, you might have some plans and ideas, but I think it actually gets the best out of the creative process. And it's, yeah. it feels good when you get it yeah. done, you know? It does. It does. I also think like a lot of people will do like preemptive marketing. They'll put this whole strategy and then the song will come out and they're like, all right, we did it. But really, I think the real job happens once the song's out because all the pre-marketing, especially this day and age, like no one can actually tangibly click on whatever you're trying to promote ahead of time. And everyone's attention span is so short that like, why don't we just put the song out? We we could do nothing. We could just announce that the song's out today. And then on the back end, do all the marketing because every time someone hears it or whatever, they can just go click it and stream it right away. Right. I just think that's kind of the new way to do things. I, I think it's been a thing for a while, but I still think people are caught up with trying to preemptively market something. It's like people want to see it and be able to grab it right away. What does pre-save do? Does it just tell the algorithm on Spotify that there's a lot of buzz around this song so it gets added to playlists? Or what does pre-save do? Yeah, Because a lot of artists promote pre-save, pre-save now. Yeah, because like, um, which makes sense. So that that is one that 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 like works in its favor the pre-save or the pre-ad for apple etc like um the day the song comes out it's as if everyone clicked at the same moment i see so it gives you a big first day look um which definitely helps with playlisting and things like that as well but um i think it can go either way i think you can also just not say anything drop a song and you can put your promotion behind it for a month and people will find it and it'll it'll climb no different than that one day so just you can do both you can do all three things i mean there's a million options all right guys we're going to take a quick break here from one of our brand new sponsors i've never worn a shoe like this i'm not just saying that but let me give you some context okay i used to work with TaylorMade, so i did a lot of work with adidas golf okay i've worn a ton of adidas golf shoes ever since i left that job over the years i've probably worn mostly nike and I just got a pair of G4s at a member guest. So I feel like I've I've worn a decent amount of brands over the years. And I don't know about you. I've never fully found my shoe. Like my Nikes I like because they look on the sportier side. And I just like Nike as a brand. But I've got really wide, flat feet. And it's not the most comfortable shoe. I actually have to consciously leave the laces a little looser. Otherwise, the outsides of my feet hurt. G4s are known for their comfort and been decent shoes. But I also don't love 
I know it's not a saddle look, but just that classic golf shoe look. I just don't want to wear that all the time. Sure, maybe if I'm a little bit more dressy on a certain round, sure, I'll wear it and I'm fine with it. But I was never really ecstatic about my golf shoe. I never really felt like I found the shoe for me. Okay, well, here's the thing. The old marketing director from TaylorMade now is the director at Olakai. And she contacted me a few months ago and she says, I love what you're doing at the part train. We would love to launch our brand new golf shoe with you and the part train listeners. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I've told you many times, I never promote a product until I receive the product and make sure I love it because I don't want to share anything just for the money. I genuinely have to make sure that I love it so that you guys will love it too. And she just sent it to me. And I'm abandoned right now, okay? I haven't broken these in. And I said to Melissa, I said, hey, okay, this is going to be the perfect time to test them. I'm I'm putting these things on brand new at Bandon Dunes. Some of the hardest walks, right? I'm playing 36 a day. And guys, I am blown away, okay? My fiance, she doesn't like any golf shoe. And when I opened the box for the new Walea shoe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, it's this amazing white leather all waterproof, subtle blue sole, and like this dark blue heel and little uh, blue accent on the tongue. It looks like this elevated, like super casual, nice sneaker, but it's got a little sporty twist to it. So I opened up the box. Tara freaked out. She's like, you have to get me a pair of these. These are exactly what I've been looking for. And they call themselves the most comfortable golf shoe. I love the look. The comfort's even better, okay? I just walked Sheep Ranch this morning. Course is unbelievable. I'm walking trails in a bit. Uh, these shoes are unbelievable. I'm telling you guys genuinely, these Olakai Wale golf shoes are the best golf shoes I've ever worn. And the coolest part about them is Olakai is known for their sandals. And I could never wear flip-flops because my feet are so flat and wide. The only pair of flip-flops, leather flip-flops, I've ever been able to wear that were comfortable, that my feet could fit, were Olakai's. So it's ironic, but also it makes sense, you know, that if Olakai makes the best quality sandals and the best quality leather, their foray into the golf shoe, it makes sense as to why these are so good. And speaking of the whole thing with their sandals and this laid-back Hawaiian culture, the heel of the shoe is built to fold down. So if you want to slip into these shoes and just kind of wear them with your heel out to happy hour or afterwards, after the round, they are built to flip down and then flip back up. It is the coolest. Like you don't think you'd ever need it, but when you do it, it's actually kind of awesome. And so I love everything about these shoes. I can't wait to tell you guys more about them, but I want to get you back to the show. So make sure you go to olakai.com. Go into the show notes. They're also going to be linked in our bio at The Par Train on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Click that link um, and get yourself the Willet golf shoes. They got a couple types. The others are a little bit sportier. They kind of look more like a trail shoe. Um, but I just think these, these Willet golf shoes, they come in white stone and dark wood. Unbelievable shoe. I'm telling you, it's my new go-to golf shoe. I wouldn't steer you wrong. So go to olakai.com, hit that link in our show notes or linked in our bio on Instagram at the par train and get yourself some of these. You will not regret it. I can't wait to get your DMs of, oh my God, Evan, you were right. Just like with Roback, just like with Roosters, just like with 18 Birdies, all of our partners. These Olakai Walea shoes are the greatest golf shoes I've ever worn. So hit that link, 
get yourself some shoes and start enjoying the walk. You know, we're all about enjoying the ride, but enjoy the walk as well. These shoes are incredible. All right, let's get back to the show. I've always wondered this. Why is it, especially with pop artists, you know, like a Bieber or a Justin Timberlake or these huge stars, why is it that it's a three-year gap or two-year gap until, I mean, singles might be dropped, you know, sprinkled in, but for the most part, it's like two years, album, two to three years, album. What is the thinking behind that? Before we start talking about your golf game, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm sure that, I mean, when you become such a huge artist, you know, when you're that big, um, I think creating that kind of, uh, that, that scarcity or that want for new music, um, can be a a great thing as well. It's just a different marketing tool. Um, and I can see it both ways. I think I'm just in the season of dropping a lot of music. Um, and I'll always want to drop a lot of music and, you know, even Bieber's putting singles out right now with features and stuff like that. So. And they're putting more music than they ever have out now than they yeah. ever did in the past. So even though it's in between albums, there's still all these songs with features coming out. So they're still kind of doing the same model where they're putting a song out a couple times a month. And then they'll drop an album, which will be maybe some of those added on there. Maybe they, they won't add those on there. They'll just be a separate. So I think it's about creating moments. Um, I think putting songs out creates a moment. And I think also creating scarcity in the market creates a moment as well. So I, it's different schools of thought. I think the time between albums will keep getting shorter. Um, but I think that's a new age thing. I think that's something that's just happening, if not been happening for a couple of years. So. Before we talk about your golf game, what does it mean to make it in music? What does that mean to you? I think back in the day, you used to be able to, it was just like pay my bills with music. <laughs> yeah. It was like, and then that, turns to get on a tour bus and that turns into sell out house of blues style venues and then that turned into play this festival then after you do all that stuff i don't know i think if you're hungry it's hard to ever really truly be satisfied um yeah i want to sell out stadiums but that'll be like the next mecca but you just keep setting different goals for yourself i think i don't know if i really answered that question but (laughs) no you did i think in golf I've posted a few videos on this that gets a lot of uh, people get a little riled up. And I think you just validated the thing that I think is important for people to remember, which is we keep telling ourselves, you might have said, if I make a hole in one, I would have made it, right? Or if I'm going to break 80, I'm going to make it. We're going to learn about your game in a second. But uh, a lot of people have these milestones, which is great. It keeps us moving towards something. But then they think that the milestone will make them happy when as a human being once you hit the milestone you're going to either want to do that more often or you're going to want to break that and go even lower in this case with golf right and so you know our mission is enjoy the ride yeah. on the par train and so understanding that it's all it's all about everything is the good part about it right the practice of it if i hit a terrible shot how do i bounce back I had a good short game day, but I hit it like shit off the tee. You know, that could be a win, if not vice versa. So I think I just, I love hearing from people like you because I think it's a great reminder for our listeners of like, hey, regardless of what you're trying to do, whether it's your golf score or your career, you know, you got to find ways to enjoy it as you do it. Otherwise, you're going to get to the end and you're going to say what everybody says at the end of their life, which is, I wish I enjoyed it more. 
That's a hundred percent true. Yep. Everything you said. How big of a focus is mindset stuff for you? Do you think about your mindset? Is it important to you? Everything's so competitive. Uh, everything is so led by comparison too. So it's uh, keeping a, a solid mindset is, is never easy uh, in music at least. And then obviously with, uh, with golf, when I go out there, I'm not really overthinking anything. Um, so it's probably why my golf game doesn't necessarily improve. It kind of just always stays in the same area. Golf for me is more of a, it's a relaxing kind of thing. No different than if I go to a movie by myself. It's like more of like the last thing I'm going to do is get on this golf course and be pissed at my game because I already have enough shit in my life that's bothering the hell out of me. So it's like, <laughs> I'd rather get out here and just have a good time. And if I hit a bad shot, it's all right. Like I'm not freaking out. That's, that's yeah. Like, I'm trying to relax when I'm on the golf course, to be honest, which might not, not might not be what you want to hear, but it's kind of like that. That's fine. No, this is, this is a good thing too. So tell us about your game. How long you've been playing? If you have a handicap, what it is, uh, let's start there. Um, I don't have a handicap mainly because I just don't ever put all my numbers in how I should to be able to calculate it. I will say I'm probably around 90 on average. Um, okay. so not the best, uh, and I've probably golfed since my dad put me in golf camp when I was in like, I don't know, probably five or six. Um, kind of cycled through playing golf during my life and then couldn't play it during baseball season because it fucked my swing up. Same. Um, <laughs> played it on and off my entire life. Like my graduation gift from my dad when I graduated college, uh, Mizzou, University of Missouri, mm-hmm. um, was brand new bag with all new you know cleveland uh led uh cleveland you know every everything and uh new driver and everything so um yeah golf's kind of been a constant in my life um but i go through i guess i go through times where i take it seriously when i don't right now it's more of a relaxing thing for me to go do what have you noticed differently about playing golf the way you are now versus when you play golf and quote took it seriously any differences in your experience that you noticed I think I fixed my mistakes faster when I like took it more seriously. Um, hmm. uh, I think I'd find more more consistency in my game because I would just adjust things. Whereas like now, or at least in the last year, I'm more like just all right. Well, try it again. I'm not like overthinking what I did or did I, you know, all the little things you can tweak in your swing. I used to try to think what I did. Now I just now I don't even think about it. I'm like, yeah. That one didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like when you're taking it more seriously, you make more adjustments. Yeah, for sure. Whereas now you might make the same mistake more times than once because you're not making adjustments. Is that fair? For sure. I, I also don't like overthink what it might have been. I just try to like, try, I don't try to overanalyze anything is really where I'm at. So what shot makes you the most angry right now? You're going to pick out one miss. What's the shot that really just grinds your gears? My bunker shot is pretty terrible right now. And uh, if I'm like chipping within like 70 yards, I can never find the exact distance. So short game is a challenge right now? Yeah. What's going through your head when you've got a, you're walking into the bunker? What's going through your head? Uh, <laughs> I can see on your face, this is unlike any interview you've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little different. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't really know, man. I, I, I just, I just try to like, I kind of dig my feet. I, I don't know. I, I walk up, dig my feet in, 
try to hit behind the ball. I, I just, I don't, I've actually just been messing up hitting where I need to hit the ball out of the bunker. And like, I've just been like, just take, taking it off the top barely instead of pushing the sand behind it. So uh, there's no real accuracy or any spin that's really helping me when I get out of there. So I just need to sit in there and just kind of re, I know how to, I, I should know how to fix it. It'll just take me a time to get it right. But when I get in there, I'm like, this isn't going to go well. That's really what I'm thinking when I walk. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so to be clear, you're getting it out of the bunker. Yeah. It's just like rolling off the green or not close to the pin. But you're not I like no taking five hacks in the bunker to get it out. No, no. I just, okay. I'm just trying not to skull it. And honestly, like I just want to have it land anywhere near the pin but yeah, either, yeah. yeah i can't i have no accuracy out of it got it okay well this is a good thing too Fillmore, because it's not necessarily it's not a bad thing that not a lot's going through your head going into shots right that's information too it could just mean that you don't have a lot of conscious thought going into certain shots other than maybe some subconscious this might not go well right and we had dr bob Rotella like the world-renowned sports psychologist on our podcast. And he told us, if people take nothing else from our, sh- our podcast with him, simply thinking of where you want the ball to go, you're going to be ahead of most amateurs, right? Um, where most people are thinking where they don't want it to go, which then creates gotcha. a lot of tension, right? So for you, it sounds like, you may not have great success in around the greens right now. So there might be a sense of dread, you know, going into those shots, but then we don't really, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you don't have a real routine to help you progress. So your no. game is kind of like this. Some days drivers good. Other days, short games, good. Sometimes nothing's good, but it's never the same. So your game, you might have, it's not really progressing is what you're saying. Everything's kind of staying in the center. So this is a pretty common thing, right? So I think this is actually really good. So I think the key here is thinking about, all right, well, what can we help Fillmore do that puts him in a better position around the greens, right? And so the one thing is, uh, and this is something I've learned recently, and we've joked on the podcast and on our Instagram that this is the year of the short game. And isn't it funny that like, 75% 75% of our shots come around the greens, but we spend 100% of our time at the range, you know? Yeah. And so giving ourselves grace to be like, okay, well, we don't really practice it, I would imagine, very often. So um, what I just saw from Scotty Scheffler yesterday, I don't know if you watched the Masters. I did, um, yeah. But what Scotty does really well, and I talked to a sports psychologist about it last night, is he keeps everything so simple. So even that shot he made on three, he wasn't trying to make that, but you notice he kind of punched it low into the lip and it rolled on. Now, I would have never hit that shot because I'm not comfortable with making sure I hit the perfect part of the lip, right? But he's really comfortable with hitting it low. So for you, Fillmore, we need to think about, okay, instead of just amateurs, what we do is we just aim at the pin, right? So simply asking yourself before, not to get too heady, but before every shot, just ask yourself, all right, what am I trying to do here? Then you can just systematically say, okay, well, the flag is on the left. 
let's try and put it 10 feet, right? Give ourselves yeah. looks. A lot of times, and maybe you make this mistake too, a lot of people do, is if we're not fully conscious and thinking about what we're trying to do, we usually just look at the flag, get the number, and swing. But then what that does is if the pin is tucked in the back left and we're going for the pin, we miss it. Now we're in a position where we're short-sighted and what would have been a routine par or a bogey at worst, now we bring double into play. And that's where the 90s come into play, right? It's just, it's, it's simple decisions that we make. So think about that. And what, what are your thoughts when you hear that around the greens? Like how can, I want to talk out how we can help you maybe have a new approach around the greens. I bet you, 95% of you, if I asked you to take a deep breath right now, your shoulders would probably go up. That means your chest breathing. The way to take yourself out of stress and into a state of calm is actually through diaphragmatic breathing or using your belly. Isn't it crazy that we all breathe without having to think about it, but we're unknowingly putting ourselves into an unnecessary amount of stress on and off the golf course simply by the way we're breathing? Well, good news. Okay, one of our new partners, NeuroPeak Pro, they work with Jordan Spieth, Bryson DeChambeau, Kirk Cousins, the NFL, and so many others to help them with what they call precision breathing. Spieth actually calls it the scientific way to get in the zone. Now, you may think this is just another heart rate monitor because, you know, I was fooled at first too, but it's not. Let me explain. The NeuroPeak Pro Intel Belt is the first of its kind real-time training device, training in caps, okay? and mobile app designed to help unlock peak performance through better, more intentional breathing. They call it precision breathing, okay? So it's a trainer, not a tracker. It wraps around your torso, underneath your chest, and you literally do breath training, and in real time, you can see your breath and heart performance against the optimal state you're training for. Kind of like, I was thinking about it, it's kind of like when NBC Sports puts the world record time against a swim race in the Olympics, and it helps kind of see where they're at. That's exactly what NeuroPeak Pro does with the Intel belt. So let me keep it simple here. Here's what I've been most amazed by so far while I've been using the Intel belt. The thing that you wear on the torso, it actually picks up the physical movement in your diaphragm. And it took almost a year to figure out how to pick up diaphragmatic movement. I know it sounds simple, but to actually measure to the T, like how much your belly is contributing to the breath. And it's not only that, it's tracking every single breath, but the quality of that breath. So it's showing me how my belly is doing and it gives me little guidance tips along the way. So like my data is a little low so far, I've got some ways to go, but in one of my metrics, It'll say something like the closer you can get this number to 100, the better. And mine's at like a 52 so far. Um, so as I practice, it's telling me how I'm doing. And it gives me this North Star metric, which I really liked. So the key here is if you want to learn how to get in the zone in seconds, not just by chance, but actually train it. And in seconds, you go to neuropeakpro.com. Order the Intel belt, enter the code TRAIN, it'll give you a free annual subscription for part train listeners only. And I'm telling you, the idea of being able to actually practice so that no matter what situation you go into on and off the course of stress, nerves, anxiety, to be able to have that tracker alongside you while you breathe to know exactly, okay, this is how it feels when I'm breathing well. 
but maybe that's not the optimum way to do it. The app is showing me, okay, I can be deeper. My breaths can be a little bit smoother. Maybe I'm holding my breath. I didn't even realize it. That's something I did. Neuropeak Pro graphs all of that out for you in real time while you're breathing. So it's really amazing. I now know why Jordan Spieth and Bryson DeChambeau are paying them, not the other way around. So go to neuropeakpro.com, enter the code TRAIN, and get a free subscription with your Intel belt. All right, now let's get back to the show. I mean, that makes complete sense. I, and I honestly never think of that. So what you've already said is already going to probably help my game 100%. Yeah. I might go golfing tomorrow now. Another thing that's fun, too, is I'm sure you don't have all the time in the world to go practice your short game. But having your go-to shots are really important. So one thing I've done recently is I'll have uh, one motion, but I'll use my 60-degree, my 56, 52, and a pitching wedge. And depending on the length of the shot, you just hit a different club, you know? And that way, yeah. you're bringing less um, miss hits out of the bag, out of play, because it's shorter swings. You're keeping it simple. You're keeping it as low to the ground as you can. And then you're picking parts of the green that give you the best chance and good looks, right? What is your lowest score ever? I mean, maybe 86. Okay, so you've yeah. broken 90. Uh, I mean, a long, uh, that was a while ago. That might have been like, college or high school okay so since high school or college you've been shooting in the 90s pretty consistently yeah 100%. okay and do you shoot 100 plus sometimes uh yeah depending on the course yeah for sure or okay. depending on how much i drank yeah <laughs> anything you've noticed about your or that you remember about your 86 or low 90s that stands out versus when you shoot in the in 100s I think before I moved to Nashville, like back when I lived in Missouri and everything like that, and uh, I just had more time to like, I just, I really did try to think of all those things that you're talking about. And so I think just since then, I haven't used golf as like that competitiveness that I yeah. used to have for it. Now it's just like a, a fun activity, relaxed, like I said earlier. So I think I just thought of the game differently then. And now um, I just don't think of it competitively and I, I think i want to start doing that a little bit more mm -hmm. especially after like i was just watching the masters i was like and you get so like hype after watching something like that and everything like that yeah. so um yeah i mean we'll see i think especially because i have a little bit more time off the road right now even though like we golf on the road and everything as well um i think as like you know other things in my life kind of get more streamlined i think that i'll have more time to focus on like getting a little bit more competitive in my golf game other than relying on just like natural ability or things that I've like done well in the past. Do you think there's a part of you that almost feels like you shouldn't be focusing because like it's your release? So like there's a part of you a that's like, don't try too hard because we're trying to have fun out here. Yeah. It might be a little bit of it, but I mean, I have a lot of fun when I'm playing well, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could just play great and then I'll, it'll be the same amount of fun. One thing that we've heard a lot on this show uh, from PJ Tour Pros and Corn Fairy guys, they all say a very similar thing. They say they swing aggressive to conservative targets, right? So they pick usually the fattest part of fairways and the fattest parts of greens, and uh, they rip at it, but to conservative targets. So let me give you an example. This might actually help. 
So we had uh, Dr. Joe Parent, the author of Zen Golf, a famous mental game book on the show. And he used a very simple example. We're going to use a shot glass based on what we talked about with tequila when you made your hole in one. Okay. So imagine you got, you just come in for making your hole in one, you come in the clubhouse and someone hands you a quarter and they say, you have to make that quarter in the shot glass on that table or it's a bad shot. Right. Yeah. So you try and make it in the shot glass. What usually happens when someone says that is you get a little guidey, right? Because if you don't make it in the shot glass, it's a bad shot. So you kind of, you know, you try and guide it in there. And you know from baseball, like playing, throwing something from center field or shortstop, like if you try and guide the ball, usually you might make a bad throw. More than just like if you're in the hole and you got to rip it and you don't have a choice, you usually make a good throw, right? Similar idea. So if I tell you, Fillmore, that try and make this quarter in that shot glass, but anywhere on the table is a good shot. People start tossing it free, right? And you usually start to get closer to the shot glass. So what Dr. Joe Parent told us, which this simple shift made Christy Kerr, a LPGA player that he was working with, number one player in the world, um, because she's a perfectionist and she was getting too wound up in being perfect. Mm-hmm. And what that did was they aimed at a spot but played to an area. So what it sounds like to me is not to get too competitive because you want to have fun, but it could be a practice where you pick your spot, but you play to an area, right? So out of the bunker, you're going to pick your spot to make it easier on yourself, maybe the middle of the green, but you're going to play to like this 10-foot circle, right, or a 20-foot circle and play to an area. And hopefully that'll free you up a little bit, you know, instead of needing to feel like you got to put this two feet out of the bunker when you've been hitting it over the green, right? Yeah. You're smiling. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me what this makes you feel. I, I think it's great advice. I think it's absolutely, and to be honest, like, it's, it's great to talk to you about this stuff because it's like, I really don't think about it. Like, the, yeah. I haven't thought about it in a while, and I think it's going to give me a little bit more excitement for uh, hitting the course. And I'll, I'll definitely take some of these um, words of wisdom and try to use them, and then I'll let you know how it's going. So, for sure. Yeah. And maybe we have you back somewhere down the road and hear how it's, how it's doing. What is. I'll be like, here's my score. I'm killing it. Yeah. <laughs> no practice swings. No. What is it like for you playing on the road? Like I assume, I've always wondered if you got a concert that night, what what is the day like? And is is sounds like golf's one option for you to kind of stay free and loose during the day. It depends. Uh, when I'm touring heavy, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning on the bus, and um, I, you know, I, I didn't. I stopped bringing my clubs um, just because we there was so much equipment and stuff that we needed room for um, and everything, and it was like. So depending on where we were, um, you had, you know, tour manager hits up the venue or um, checks in with like local radio, you know, a lot of radio reps and stuff like that will know like where good golf is and they'll, sometimes they'll hook it up or whatever. And so you'll just get, a, they'll come, they'll pick you up, you have a tea time, show up in the morning, they'll pick you up from the bus, go straight to the golf course, play around, come back, just got to make it back for sound check. Um, and then that's kind of the day golf will take up your whole morning though at the new place. But the thing is like, what's great about that is like, if you do play golf on the road as a touring musician and you have all these, you have a tour bus so you can travel through the night. That means you wake up pretty early at the venue 
which means you have the whole day there as opposed to driving straight up to sound check and stuff like that. So that was a, that was a very cool thing to have starting in 2019 and to kind of experience that and be able to play golf on the road and have that ease there with um, just like wake up, someone picks you up, takes you to the course, play golf, come back, have lunch, sing a little bit, play a show, do it all again the next day. So it, it's pretty cool for sure. Is it excitement throughout the day? Is, are there nerves? For me, uh, especially with performing and music and stuff, once you get into the flow of like, you know, there's a lot of prep for it. There's uh, rehearsals and everything like that. No different than golf and all the practice yeah. you put in. Um, you know, in this case, it's uh, we prep enough and the songs are set. And usually that's kind of like the set list for the show. And um, it becomes second nature over the course of the, the tour, um, which makes very little headache during the day. Everyone has their roles, their jobs. And if everything runs smoothly, be able to golf and do whatever you want during the day and enjoy your life a little bit take more time to enjoy everything all right so this is really important Fillmore. this is great we're coming full circle so uh scotty scheffler in his tuesday press conference said if i win this tournament great if i don't that's okay too because i've done everything i can to prep and prepare and i've known i've put it all out there so that gave him freedom to play and swing free and he didn't put extra pressure on himself now, for your golf game, sounds like there's not a lot of prep, right? Granted, you don't have a lot of time, right? But I think this is really interesting. One of the guys I coach is a, um, a surgeon at UCLA, and we found the same nugget for him that as a surgeon, he, is, he knows exactly what to do. He feels confident in that task, right? But things happen, and he feels confident that he can adapt, right? But with golf, he didn't have a routine. So what he does every day, what he's best at in his career, wasn't in parallel with how he was playing golf. And for him, just creating a, a routine, a pre-shot routine. And for you, I feel like simply asking yourself the question, what am I trying to do here? And picking your spot and vocalizing it. If you do nothing else, Fillmore, I bet you that'll have a huge effect because I'm going to guess as a performer, you're an extrovert, I would yeah. assume. Yeah, extroverts benefit um, hugely from ex staying external. So if you ha if you're playing bad, a lot of extroverts go real in they go internal during stress, and they get quiet and reserved, and you're not engaging with the group. For you, it sounds like you're already engaging with the group. You're there to have fun. Might have a shot of tequila here and there, but uh, yeah. the more the quicker you can get external and focused on what you're trying to do. I bet you won't need to change much more. Don't, it doesn't need to be swing. It just needs to be about what are you trying to do because your body needs that clarity and plan. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners here that are kind of just going out and playing and maybe not getting the results they want. And maybe this is a great reminder of, all right, well, Fillmore, let's just give Fillmore chances. That's all we're focused on. Let's give Fillmore looks and putts. Right. So all you need to care about, you don't need to care about score. You don't need to care about greens hit. Let's just give you chances. Right. And give you the best chance on every hole. Then work backwards and say, what gives me the best chance on the tee shot? What gives me the best chance into the green? What gives me the best chance out of the bunker? Angles, club selection, etc. And that simple switch, you're probably going to be having just as much fun, if not more. And 
probably starting to improve simply because you're going to be more conscious and aware about what you're trying to do. For sure. I, I, I love this advice, honestly. I, I don't think I would have thought about it if you hadn't told me. So I, it's, it's so simple, but it's so smart. And honestly, like I already want to get out there and just change that mentality and see how it works. <laughs> but I mean, there is like a thing too, like, like when I, there is very little prep and stuff and, and you say the extroverted thing, like there is, and, and my guys, my team and they're like, you know, uh, you know, my manager and, and they can all vouch for this. There's like, you know, twice during 18 holes where had a couple beers or whatever. And I, you know, I do this thing where I yell bombs in my back, in my own backswing. <laughs> and I, they're like, Oh, here it comes. And I'll, I'll, I'll like, I'll be mid backswing and just yell bombs. And like, literally like it just goes for days every time it's like, and there's everyone knows that when I say it, it's just about failed. And like, maybe that is just cause it's like, letting it loose and it's just like every time i yell bombs on my back swing it just go well there you go I don't know. there's clearly yeah. power in you speaking out I'm loud yeah. homework for fillmore yeah. you're gonna just talk to yourself you're gonna make people think <laughs> like you're crazy, crazy yeah talk to yourself <laughs> out there and then report back i bet you there's gonna be a show coming up soon where you're gonna be extra giddy have the performance of your life and then say at the end i just shot my best round of my life i broke 80 <laughs> And that's why I'm so pumped. Thanks, Partrain. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, I'm in. I know we got to get you out of here so you can get to the studio. Anything last that you want to say that you didn't get a chance to say, and then we'll tell people where to find you? No, I, I feel like we kind of covered everything. I, I, I want to say that, you know, I think this mentality switch, I'm going to get my game better. Um, we'll definitely have to do a recap of all this, how things are going. Um, yeah, y'all, everyone check out the music. Um, there's so much new music. Even if you're not a country fan, I promise there's, I, there's something for everyone with my music. So yeah, outside of that, uh, yeah, get ready for some tour dates and a lot of cool things happening this year um, as we kind of get out of this uh, studio season. So love it. Um, well, at Fillmore Music on Instagram, Fillmore yeah, Music, everything, everything. At, yep, yep. I love your music. This was a thrill for me to talk with you. Hopefully, keep me posted on your game. Text me, message me anytime. I'm happy to help and. Uh, Love to have you back and, you know, for a check-in. But excited for all the new music. I'll be listening. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time. It's so good to see you, man. You too, man. Take care.